Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We're continuing to watch all the developments taking place in Ukraine and along the border. And, of course, uh, as things continue to escalate up, uh, we're going to bring you up to the minute uh, briefing and news. There we are standing by. The Pentagon is scheduled to begin a briefing any moment. So we will check out what is happening there, as well as the White House briefing, uh, which has been delayed for a couple of hours, uh, is also scheduled to begin sometime soon as well. Uh, also, uh, so I want to go back to the State Department briefing uh, from just about 20 minutes ago. Uh, State Department uh, spokesman Ned Price uh, did the briefing last hour. We we talked about some of the things in terms of the new sanctions that President Biden announced just within the last hour on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which goes from Russia to Germany for natural gas. And it was quite a testy exchange in terms of whether the uh, administration had done the right thing a year ago in waiving those uh, sanctions against the company building the pipeline and its and its executives. Uh, so there was a little bit of a terse exchange back and forth in terms of what happened there. Uh, everyone applauded Germany uh, taking it off the table for the moment, uh, saying that that pipeline is not going to begin operation or a certification in Germany. So that uh, was that port part of it. And then many just questioning uh was that just the U.S. following Germany or kind of sailing in Germany's wake? Germany did the hard thing, uh, and then uh, the U.S. just uh, announced those sanctions as well. So I want to go through a few other things from Ned Price in his briefing today. Uh, he did say and reiterated, and I think it's very important, that we do remain open to dem- diplomacy uh, and that it's up to Russia to choose to engage in that process. Uh, together with our uh, allies and partners, We absolutely remain open to diplomacy, but only if Moscow is serious. We are not going to engage uh, in this pretense with them, uh, during which they draw out the process, suggest one thing, do another, uh, ready uh, their preparations, move their forces closer to the border, develop and refine their plans uh, as they give the world a head fake uh, that they are actually committed to the diplomatic path. And then Price also laid out some ways that Russia can actually show it's open to some serious diplomatic talks. There are a number of ways that Moscow could indicate that it is serious. It essentially boils down uh, to de-escalation. That would be uh, the most concrete, uh, the clearest indication that diplomacy has the potential to bear fruit, that diplomacy has the potential to save lives. Uh, That is the kind of diplomacy we are interested in. 
Uh, that is also not the kind of diplomacy uh, that we have seen any indication as of yet uh, that Moscow is interested in. And then finally, uh, Ned Price was asked why they're still leaving the door to diplomacy open even after Russia has begun uh, that invasion. Uh, why would we engage in diplomacy? Well, we would engage in diplomacy to save lives. We would engage in diplomacy to prevent an all-out war. Uh, this is a war that would be brutal. It would be costly. It would be, in many ways, devastating. So, again, that was Ned Price uh, in his briefing. As I mentioned before, we are standing by for a uh, Pentagon briefing coming up any moment. We'll go to that live to see uh, what additional insight we might get. And uh, so it's interesting, just as you look at the things that are rolling out, of course, the uh, Ukrainian foreign minister said uh, just about an hour ago that U.S. officials had pledged solidarity with Ukraine uh, and that more sanctions would be coming. Now, I'm hearing from a couple of folks in D.C. that the White House could actually announce some additional uh, additional sanctions uh, any moment, that that could also take place. So that will be interesting to see if they uh, come through on that uh, beyond what they've announced today on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, uh, that those sanctions uh, are back in place. And um, I think the other thing that's important for us to, to keep in mind as we look at all of this is, again, strategy and tactics. Where we started the show today, uh, you can't just have tactics. If you have tactics and no strategy, that's just the noise before defeat. And when you are reactionary, when you are just doing tactics based on what is happening or just reacting to it, uh, that does not put you in a position of strength, nor does it put you in a good position to actually negotiate uh, and work on the diplomatic side of things. So as as we watch this continue to unfold, uh, we talked earlier today about the sanctions that were announced yesterday. Again, you, you, NATO seems to be united in terms of, yes, we're all going to put sanctions on, but everyone's kind of putting their own thing on. This was not a united front from NATO saying, here are all the sanctions and this is what we're going to do. Uh, it is true we had Australia, Britain, Canada, the European Union, Japan, and Germany each announced uh, variations of different sanctions. And my question around that is, will, will all of those hold? Uh, one of the things that Vladimir Putin would love to do and has done is divide NATO a little bit uh, so that they are not unified. And this was one place where I thought, if you want to show a united front as NATO that we are all in this together, that we are going to stand together, uh, I think doing the sanctions that way would have been a powerful message to Vladimir Putin. Uh, this kind of everyone tiptoeing in, uh, I get it. You want to have some things in reserve for negotiations. I get that. But by just tiptoeing into the negotiations, tiptoeing into these sanctions, it allows Vladimir Putin to be strategic. And he can say, okay, here's what, here was the reaction to beginning the invasion. Uh, I can live with those for a while, so that's okay. So now what do I do next? Uh, and allows him to do that as opposed to big sanctions, uh, serious sanctions. One, one outlet to describe them as uh, toddler sanctions as opposed to adult sanctions uh, that are going on there. Uh, also interesting, and we'll get into this a little later on in the program today, is one of the weapons that Vladimir Putin has is actually the gas pump here in the United States. And we're going to dig into that uh, as to how the American people are going to continue to respond to all of this, especially as the, the price of oil and gas continue to go up. 
also something from a strategy standpoint. Uh, remember, it was just a year ago that uh, the Keystone XL pipeline uh, was stopped uh, by President Biden, one of the first things he did after being sworn in. And so this ability of the United States to be a net energy exporter, to be energy independent, uh, totally changes the dynamic in terms of negotiation and dependence. We bring in, we actually bring in Russian oil. Uh, and so that's going to continue to go up because as these things become more scarce, that puts pressure on the price of oil to go up. And who does that benefit? Vladimir Putin. That's how he's funding all of these activities. And so energy independence has to be something that comes back on the table. Both Democrats and Republicans uh were frustrated when the president removed the Nordstrom Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline sanctions. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans were frustrated with that, again, thinking they lost leverage in the process. And so all of this continues to, to take shape. It is very fluid, obviously. And what Vladimir Putin will choose to do next uh, is going to be interesting to watch and to see if now that he's moving into these newly declared independent territories that uh, he can go in there as a peacekeeper uh, and establish troops there. And that changes the dynamics of everything. Uh, Again, we know there have been uh, U.S. officials who have said it is imminent. Uh, I'm not quite so sure it is that imminent, but we're going to continue to break that down and and look forward to a Uh, Some words coming out of the Defense Department coming up soon here. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour break. Much more to come on Inside Sources. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.